What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. The best late-night conservative talk show in America, Black Kids Radio. And listen, there are no people better on the air to give you the best in conservative talk than Sackhead Sean and Sackhead Clan. Uh, and uh, we're working on immigration papers for a certain other guy who happens to work here, too. <laughs> for those who are tuning in around the world to the best and late-night conservative talk, Sackheads Radio. It gets bigger every single time you tell that story. I swear to God. Hey, how does it get? They made a movie about it. Do you remember? <laughs> I did. Was what like was that? Arachnophobia? No, 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 no. It was like, like it's right after Mothra. It's one of the <laughs> Japanese ones. No, you think it's something totally different. Hey, it's April 16, 2014. Welcome to the Sackheads Radio Show. The temporary phone number is 347-205-9399. While we're still on the uh, the atrocity that is Blog Talk Radio, but that's going to change, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I said to Clint before we went to tonight that I take the next two weeks to lambaste them on uh, all the issues that we've had with them and all the disruptions in service, and it, you know, it's almost like... Uh, I wonder if it's Russian. <laughs> no. I think it's NSA. Uh, well, I'm wondering if Blog Talk... That's, it could be a government operation. It's either a government operation or a communist operation, <laughs> and I know sometimes that gets difficult to tell the difference uh, recently between... Our government and why are you looking at me like that? I'm not. I'm typing. I'm not looking at you at all. No, you. I can't even see you. <laughs> That's because you have a polar bear. Well, yeah, doy. In the way. Doy, it's my attack polar bear. It, it is your attack polar. Look, where's my? There he is. <laughs> Hello, friend. Hello, little friend. Uh, so much to talk about this week. But uh, how was your week? Um, what do you mean? How was my? It was tax day yesterday. Yeah, I know. What do you mean? How was my week? Why would you even ask something like that? You know, that tax day is my anniversary, day. right? What? My my anniversary. Is tax day? Is tax day. Did you do They're that running, on purpose? Yes, because I'll never forget my anniversary. The running joke is it was the most taxing day of my life. I also, when we got engaged, I did it on a holiday, so I would remember as well. Uh, but what I, holiday was it, Christmas? Easter. I forgot that it moves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had had a couple beverages when I made that decision. I'll do it on a holiday. Don't, uh, don't yeah. let her listen to this. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many I have to pump into her just to stay. <laughs> Wait, are we talking alcohol? Okay, I didn't know. I don't want to assume. So, so happy, happy anniversary ha- to my wife. Happy anniversary to your, your wife, and happy tax day 
to everybody else. Happy tax day to the tax man. Uh, you get to screw keep the all tax our man. Money. You can go screw yourself. Um, Flat tax sounds better every day, doesn't it? You know, and so I, I was thinking. Uh oh. Why? Why do you say uh oh when I say I was thinking? <laughs> you know what an effort this is for me. Well, think. that just means I have to take the smoke alarm battery out. Yeah, because I'm. So, how is it fair? Don't roll your eyes. I haven't even finished my sentence yet. I haven't even finished my question. How is it fair? How is it equal protection under the law mm-hmm. that some people pay 33%, mm-hmm. other people pay 25%, whatever it is? How is it fair right. that certain groups within the population mm-hmm. pay more percentage-wise than other groups in the population? How is that equal protection under the law? How is that equal treatment under the law. Well, if you look at the tax code all the way around, it's not equal anything. Exactly. And so how has our tax code in its current state been allowed to stand? This is my, and I, so I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for the last week, ever since our last show. I wanted to bring it up last show, but I didn't want to bring it up until after we were off the air. And I realized that tax day was coming up. Oh, the next, next show is, is the day after tax day, so we're good. We can talk about it then. But I've been thinking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. How is it that our, our code has never been challenged on those grounds? I haven't been able to find a case that has been challenged on that specific ground as being unconstitutional because it violates the equal protection. Well, because to get to that, you have to go through the other, what's it, 3,000 pages of tax code and unfairness and all that stuff. But, but still, just that the fact that there are different tax levels for different people and even different deductions. Like you can take some deductions if you, have, if you earn under a certain income amount, but you can't take those same deductions if you earn over a certain amount. I, I mean, the entire thing, it's, it's, it's really based on class mm-hmm. it seems to be a class system well that's and that if you if you make more money you are treated worse under the law based upon your socioeconomic status right so how is it that it, the federal government is it and, or and even state state government any government we're, we're talking about the federal government how is it the federal government can treat the citizens of this country differently based upon socioeconomic status is that not something the left consistently speaks out about yes it absolutely is so how is a either a flat tax mm-hmm. how is that not fair if you make I, 25 if you make 25,000 I'm posing pos- I know you agree with this okay I'm, pos- good. I'm posing this as a, a just a, as a, a question to the listeners as a question to the listeners how is it that let's say 10 percent I'm just pulling that number out of my posterior region so if somebody makes $25,000 a, a year and they're paying 10%. They're paying $2,500, correct? Mm-hmm. And if somebody makes $100,000, they're paying 10%. 000. Oh, 10%. 10 they're, they're, stick with me. We're doing math. <laughs> they're, they're paying $10,000. They're still paying more money, mm-hmm. right? But it's fair in that everybody is paying the same percentage. That would be equal treatment under the law, I would believe. Where am I off base on this? You're not, but here's the difference. Uh, the politicians that put that stuff in base did it with special interest in mind. 
and uh, it's not getting changed yet because there's too many lobby groups out there. That's what it comes down to. I know intellectually what it comes down to. I've heard every defense from, um, you know, well, you know, every situation is different and independent, this and that and that and the other thing. Okay, great. I don't agree, but okay, that's your argument. I've heard literally somebody say when I was beating them in this argument before as to... Physically? No, I wish. Okay. Um, But... I've heard, literally heard somebody say, well, what, do you, what about all the accountants? They're going to go out of work. And I said, no, they're not. Businesses still need accountants. Yeah. Uh, corporate businesses will still need an accountant to file. I mean, there's still, if you're smart, because when you start having, even if it's a flat tax, you want to make sure that all your receipts, numbers, and everything up until that point equal what you're actually going to file on so you don't get hammered. that's not going away. So I've heard every ridiculous argument against going away from the current tax code. And listen, I I know that the tax code was uh, ripped apart in the late 80s. And then uh, under the Clinton administration, there was a lot of other these ridiculous... Clinton's 90s, right? I said it was ripped apart under the late 80s. And then when Clinton went in, um, he started adding all these different percentages and special interests and all this other stuff. And and here we are today. The tax code is always... You know what? If the tax code is much simpler and it was simplified, we wouldn't be having the conversation about the IRS and Lois Lerner right now. Which conversation? We have so many conversations about the IRS. (laughs) And the one about her going after conservative groups. And we we have have some more on that. And apparently other people, which we'll talk about later on as well. But... it's insane to me to think you know it's like Obamacare. Everyone who loves everyone loves Obamacare. Well, it's what? No, we don't love Obamacare. Everyone on the left. Okay. It's what twelve hundred pages. You don't know what's in it, and as more comes out, the well, more we have to find pass out. it to know what's in it. Right. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's not a kidney stone. It's law. But uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where they push for it, push for it, they, and they still love it. It, it. As much as more comes out, and the worse it is. They're still trying to tote it. There are those that are holding on okay, to so it. Okay, so how has a case not been brought to federal court and it not been heard all I the way up? I don't know, Margot. Great movie. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. I agree. It's absolutely You agree? Absolutely it's my favorite movie of all time. Great. I agree. I saw your list. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it was on there. Doi. <laughs> Man. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, and it has frustrated me for the past week. That's actually frustrated me for several years. It's now. frustrated me for several years, too. And, and, you know, I was telling this story. We were talking about um, the IRS the other day, and I had a couple of years where um, I ended up owing the IRS. I set up my um, taxes at the beginning of the year based on what I thought I was going to make. I ended up making a considerable amount more. I had a good year, and, and I ended up owing. It happened three years in a row. And this is amazing to me. Do you know that if it happens three years in a row, you get a personalized phone call from the IRS telling you that you need to set up your taxes differently? If if you pay them? I paid them. I was never late. I paid them right away. As soon as I got the notice, April 15th, boom, check was in the mail. No questions asked. I, I owe my taxes. I'm one of those people I believe I should pay my taxes. Um, I don't necessarily like how they spend it. How they spend it. I don't like how they get it, but I understand that my taxes have to be there. And I, I, it's my Do you believe taxes. that your taxes should be the percentage that they are? No. Okay. Wait so, you believe, so you believe in, in, in taxation? Legitimate taxation. Taxation that covers so, the bill. So you believe in taxation, mm-hmm. and you believe in accountability for that taxation. Yes. But you believe the federal government taking more than 
X percentage is excessive. Oh, yeah. So you believe you have a right to most of your money. Yes. Where do you think you're living? <laughs> I have a lot of damn nerve. I, I, but So I got a phone call after three years from the IRS, and the woman said, hey, just so you know, the last three years you've owed us money. You need to make changes in your tax system and how you have your percentage, take extra money out each month, whatever. And I said, well, why? And she's like, because so they want to earn the interest on that money. Exactly. She didn't say that. She wouldn't admit that. I knew what that was. Right. But I said to her, have I ever been late? No. Did I ever not pay? No. Did I ever not file? No. Okay, so why are we having this conversation? If I owe you money at the end of the year, I owe you money. I'm going to pay it. Well, we don't like to chase people around for money. And I said, well, that's really all well and good, but that's not the point. The point is not, you're not chasing me. I'm paying on time. I'm not committing any sort of crime whatsoever, no late fee, no, late fee, no penalty, nothing. Why, are we, why is the IRS, the federal government, calling me, by the way, on my day off at home and harassing me for monies that I've paid? Well, we would like to have the money ahead of time. We would rather issue you the check. And I said, I'd rather you didn't. I'd rather issue you the check. And then I spoke to her supervisor, who I think I honestly thought it the next was year. Was Lois Lerner. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got transferred to Ohio, and the DOJ was investigating me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the audit because I put up a stink about that. I mean, absolutely. And what she didn't know is that year I'd already adjusted my tax forms with my employment to take more money out just because I was sick of writing the check. Um, and... and absolutely uh, made a, as much of a mess out of it as I could because I'm like, all right, if you're going to harass me at home and you're going to be a condescending little wench about it, I'm, and she was. I mean, it wasn't like she was like, hey, just so you know, um, if she had said here are some options so you don't have to write us a check every year. Right. Okay. So I, did you go back and change it, your withholdings back again? No, what they were? I just let it go because I already thought I was getting audited anyhow. Okay. I, I just assumed I was getting the big red flag, like somebody was pulling that big red handle, and it was going to be me. We got one. Yeah, exactly. It was going to be me who's the tough guy on the phone, but I don't know anything about taxes. I could barely do mine, and that was when it was simple. You know, I could do it all on one form. 1040 like, easy or yeah, whatever it was. Exactly. You know, by the time we got into this argument, I already had a much more difficult tax setup, and I needed to hire somebody to do my taxes, which, by the way, you can write off, thank God. Um, so <laughs> I knew I'd be sitting in front of the IRS, in the IRS office with a box full of receipts. You know, I mean, uh, okay, I was a jerk. You know? So I didn't – no, I just left it the way it was. I never heard from them again. But, yeah, I, I was pissed. I'm like, first of all, I am literally paying you to call me and bitch me out. I'm literally, my taxes pay your salary, right? And I'm not one of those I pay your salary type guys. You know that. I don't work that way usually. Right. But she yeah, you usually so don't pay condescending to me that I, I, I was just like, I, I'm paying you to yell at me right now. Like, what is wrong with this world? Like, her play would have been. You could, um, you could go to special places and pay a lot of money for this sort of treatment. <laughs> I don't, I'm choosing not to. I don't want to go to those places. I just want the hell out of the IRS leaving me alone. And, uh, yeah, so then they hung up. And then you got audited. <laughs> I did not. I have yet to get audited. I'm sure that'll change with all the reporting we've done on the IRS this year. But, you know, we'll see. No, because then they're targeting, and then they'd open up new. They've groups. already done it. One of the guys after um, uh, a local newsman, I want to say it was in Kansas, Kansas City, uh, interviewed Obama and nailed him on a few things and 
Three weeks later, he got a phone call from the IRS saying he was being audited. Did he do a story on that, too? Oh, yeah. Did the audit go away? No. They still audited him. Can you imagine that? That's, That's some stones, I'll tell you. But so it, I'm telling you, at some point, we're, we're probably going to get audited from the IRS. I would, say it's, uh, I, I would say it's definite. I hope they still wear jackboots. I've never heard of those. I've heard of Ariats. I've heard of, never heard of jackboots. I know it's a nickname for them. So, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my brush I wonder the if they still goose-step. <laughs> I believe you're thinking of two-step. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they do. What, what? That's how they make the entry what into the I office say. for the media. You said they still stuff. have those little mustaches? Those are cute. Yeah, only on the guys, though. Okay. <laughs> the women would dress a little differently, but the same. Lots of tan <laughs> in that office. It was bizarre. I, you know, I know tans and in color and khakis are cheap, but I didn't think anyone, everyone would be wearing them. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. I felt out of place because I was in jeans, <laughs> and I hate the IRS T-shirt. Also a bad idea the way that day. They wanted me to turn it inside out. Did you tell them no? Well, I did until they said, well, we have a rule here that if it's something that's going to invoke a riot, you have to turn it inside out. And, uh, and you said, what are you talking about? This shirt is a riot. <laughs> it's a laugh riot. <laughs> <laughs> the last part of that was not true. Everything else about the brown shirts were. And, <laughs> and they do wear uh, party insignias. <laughs> They do now. The IRS got in trouble for, some places for, in for Texas, in Texas was wearing it. Yeah. yeah, they're wearing party insignias. While they're that. working. Yeah, and they their voicemail. I, I don't know if or they had like armbands. Buttons or... I, it's a good way to express, I guess, uh, your alignment with certain things. But they also had a voicemail out of that same office. I think it was the Houston office um, that essentially said, you know, you're on hold, blah, blah, this, that, and the other thing. And then got to the point of saying, oh, and you wouldn't. If you vote Democrat, you may not have these problems in the future. That was on a federal voicemail on the IRS to listeners. There's nothing inappropriate with that. No. Have you anything just have you ever you? Yes. Okay. I have to tell a story. <laughs> and and let me tell you this, I mean preface this by saying, um, you know, kinda where I live and it uh there it, it backs up to a little some some rural area. Mm-hmm. And um I have a dog, and let me just say that not all wood pussy smells the same. <laughs> and here's where I'm going with that. <laughs> you're, you're you're laughing right now. <laughs> so I've 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 smelled I've smelled wood pussy before, and it does not all uh, smell the same. My dog got sprayed uh, by wood pussy <laughs> over the weekend. And um, for, for, for hang on, for those of you that that don't, this know, is one of those things we need to work on. Well, hang on, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I so Google it. There's nothing gross about it about wood pussy. Still put safe search on just in case. Well, it's 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 a skunk. <laughs> it's it's an old term from the 1800s for a, for a skunk. It's acceptable the, in the English language. Yeah, it is an acceptable term for a skunk, and <laughs> I mean that's that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, wood pussy runs rampant in in these parts. Let's see, roosters should be calling I mean, there's, any there's, minute now. There's, am I tell, Am I saying anything that's untrue? We just did a whole expose. We're taking back the hate, right? <laughs> We're taking back the hate. We already took back gay. You can, I'm, I'm gay as hell right now. <laughs> you are the gayest guy in this right? room right I'm, now. I'm very gay. I'm gay as hell. So, 
Why, why can't we take back? Why can't we take it back? Why can't we take back wood pussy? <laughs> why can't we take it back? Who took it in the beginning? Exactly, that's my point. Right. Though, because it, why do all the good words just have to go away? Right. What pussy? It meant cat, right? It's right. still It's cat. Why do we have to make it something horrible? We're taking back the hate here at Stackheads, folks. Taking it back. This week we're taking back pussy and wood pussy <laughs> because skunks are part of the feline family. I just had another bumper sticker idea. What is it? I'm not telling you. I'm not going to let other people get in on it. I'm making our list for our bumper stickers for our store. Okay. I pretty much nailed it. <laughs> so my dog got sprayed by this wood pussy. Have you ever got, tried to get the, yes. the odor of wood pussy I, out? I like absolutely have. Like sprayed jeans or something like that. I've had my dog clothing. get sprayed by wood pussy. Okay. And tomato bath? Yeah. Tomato soup yep. bath? Yeah. How fun is that? Oh. It, my, my bathroom looked it like... It was great until my dog got in the tub with me. <laughs> <laughs> You mean with us? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I even had croutons. It looked like a damn. It looked like a damn homicide scene. I know it's awful, isn't it? I was like, well, fortunately, and you get a big shepherd. I have two dogs, as everyone knows. Good thing My, the federal government didn't come. <laughs> out. Can, can you just imagine though, like some? I just what, think, like some, the government comes in. Boom! What happened? Wood pussy <laughs> sprayed everywhere. I just picture like some poor flatfoot cop, right? Like. Going by the door, and all he hears is the ruckus inside of you fighting the dog, trying to get the dog in the bathtub. <laughs> right. And all he hears is like you screaming, "You get in there right now!" Blah blah. blah. You know, just I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Burst through the door, thinking that somebody's getting attacked, and just sees the splatter everywhere. And then, you know, he's all amped up, and he turns the corner, and you're in the bathtub with your chonies on, fighting your dog. You know. But you can't see it's a dog. All you see is a hairy, matted beast. <laughs> right. They thought you got a hairy midget. <laughs> Put that boy down. Portuguese midget. <laughs> no, I, I had it much easier because you've seen my little dog, Lola, mm-hmm. and she's only, well, at the time she was like 20 pounds. She's like 40 now, which is, she looks like sausage casing that's about to explode. She does. But I, so I was able to use like a, a oversized bucket and do it outside, which made my life a lot easier. And, and I actually found this powder that, um, Worked really well. Cocaine? No. Um, that does work really well from what I understand. Um, but it, it's an anti-enzyme or it's an enzyme. And it actually eats the oil that the skunk that is in the wood pussy's uh, 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 gland. Or whatever. gland. Okay. Um, and, and so that worked amazingly. So, I mean, that, I, I wish I would have known about that ahead of time. Yeah. Because I, I spent... Uh, a couple hours scrubbing wood pussy odor out of my dog's It's nose. definitely a good plan B. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> this horse can't get beat anymore. <laughs> Speaking of horses, I saw the most disgusting thing on today. A horse's tooth get removed on video. Yeah. Like, the guy was all proud. Look at my horse's tooth. <laughs> He's not all proud. I was he there was, with you. He was all proud. <laughs> he was actually shaken and felt horrible. It was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and he thought, wait, this is the funny part. Watch this. There's going to jam a screwdriver right in there. And then he starts laughing and takes a long sip of his beer. <laughs> that was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and he didn't laugh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He didn't laugh. Oh, He's going to put man. it on YouTube. So we have a lot to talk about tonight that we will eventually get to. Um, we have to do our ranting. I do want to talk a little bit more uh, May 1st 
or the week of May 1st, we're going to make the jump from here to our new audio server. Um, and it's going to be the, the best part is, is instead of having to chat here, talk there, whatever, uh, you just well, be able to chat. Now, the, the listeners can't see. Most of our listeners are smarter than you. Here and then they, talk they, there. Because they know what I mean. Two different parts You're of the studio. You're confused by it. They're not. Two different parts of the studio. No, you're not listening. What? They're not confused. You are. And I already gave you a graph and a pie chart and how it's going to work. No, no, no. That was, that was a gram and a pie <laughs> that you gave me. <laughs> so you'll be able to get everything through shrmedia.com. Um, every show all the time that we're going to have in the lineup. We are working on a couple other uh, uh, broadcasters right now um, and a couple other writers, so we're really excited about that. I actually tested the um, – it's not public yet, but I tested the new audio server today um, with much success. I was extremely pleased. Yeah, we have a couple little bugs to work out, but it, it's going to go great. Uh, the website's really – Rooster's really coming together and finalizing everything on that. The chat, as we can see tonight, which is we're chatting on the shrmedia.com chat roll, is working outstanding. So we're really excited about it. It's and be we so really well. need a webcam um, because we're going to have to show the intern that's going to carry around the segment numbers <laughs> and parade around almost like in boxing. I know. But he so, is. That poor and, guy. And he's yeah, he's going to be busy. So we hired out a, uh, <laughs> a former Cabana boy, I guess. He's retired or he got, got laid off. I, I, uh, injury. Cabana I think boy. it was a tragic uh, I don't think uh, margarita glass injury. I don't think injury. it was an injury, was it? No, I think he was attacked by an old lady in a martini. No, because that one couldn't carry the sign up directly over his head. Oh, right. Because the arm was missing. Cause, yeah. Right. So now I think we have the, the large cards and we have one through four, but we're going to have special segments also. We really need to get that. that we in. have to get to at least through nine. And, and uh, conservative outcry, no, not hot pants. It gets uh, hot in the a, studio. It's, it's a licorice thong. No, it's what it is. No, it is. It's a, remember, because I said red, you said no black. And, oh, I thought we were just going with the really, really thin linen shorts. No. No? Uh-uh. Okay, well. But, hey, you know what? I celebrate and support his lifestyle, whatever he wants to wear. We're a comfortable studio, and I am not one to – Hey, hey, whatever you dress in is what you dress in. Get your tips, pal. (laughs) I can't wait till we come back home from vacation and do a real show. (laughs) I know. We've kind of decided this up until May 1st. We're just having fun. Uh, we're going to get back. Uh, we're still going to do our topics like we usually do, but we're going to have more fun than usual the next few weeks. Basically, we've ceased to give a crap for the next uh, two weeks. <laughs> I blame so BTR. I blame I, BTR. I blame, I blame Obama. 347-205-9399 is the phone number if you want to comment tonight. When we come back and talk about IRS's, uh, the emails that show that uh, Lois Lerner, our, our sweet, sweet girl, was uh, talking with DOJ. Things just got serious. The Actionary Speak Radio Program. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's beer. Friday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, here on BTR. How you doing? John Grant here. 
when I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcasts on the 405radio.com. This is Tammy Jackson inviting you to join me on The Tammy Jackson Show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific on the 405radio.com. Put down that remote and tune into the show that covers politics, guns in the Second Amendment, religious liberty, sanctity of life, the military, and more. I host newsworthy guests and work hard to be a conservative radio show that's not like all the others. So save Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific for me, Tammy Jackson, on the 405media.com. Hello, I'm Paul, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is my professor, Dr. Larry Arn, on the separation of church and state. America's founders believed in the separation of church and state, in that the country was not to have an official religion or an official sect. But that did not mean that government was to be hostile to religion, or even indifferent to religion, as many today argue. In fact, America's founding document, the Declaration of Independence, includes both a reference to God as the author of the laws of nature, and a confident assertion that human beings are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Far from being hostile or indifferent to religion, America's founders understood the theology of the Declaration to be an essential part of the education of citizens. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. Hi, this is Rooster from Outcry Radio. Catch me here on Blog Talk Radio every Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or follow my blog at conservativeoutcry.net. Now, back to the Sackheads. 347-205-9399. If you're listening off BTR, you can go to shrmedia.com and click on the chat roll on the right if you want to get on the chat room. So a lot's happened this week in the world of the IRS. Um, we found out that's right. Everybody paid taxes. Everyone paid taxes. Well, not everyone. Um, um, some people paid taxes. We find out that uh, Elijah Cummings' office, the seventh uh, representative out of Maryland, he's also. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because I wrote an article about it. You did? Yeah. On oh, yeah. Media.com. <laughs> I just talked about what a huge game changer it was because he was one of the biggest people in that committee talking against it, and he would stonewall and cause problems, and, and come to find out there's emails from his office to Lois Lerner directly uh, pointing out rock the vo- um, true the vote out of Texas and, and having them investigated, um, and within three or four days of the email, I think the, uh, the investigation was open, and then there's emails between Lois Lerner and her assistant um, asking for updates on that investigation. So uh, is that political targeting? Sounds like it. He's a Democrat, right? Right. And what information did he get right. from, from yeah. the taxpayer, and why did he want that, that information? But I think that's a huge game changer because now – Well, he, said, was, he was asked during the hearings, right? By the he was asked was initially if he had ever had contact and said no. Or, well, or he said uh, – she said, well, somebody is, somebody's staff right. has contacted, blah, blah, blah. But he was asked specifically and denied ever contacting the IRS over um, True the Vote. So, you know, 
one of the things I said is, first of all, he should be suspended from the committee immediately because you can't have somebody who's Absolutely. Being he should tra- recuse himself. Right. Absolutely. Or be recused. Uh, um, and then you really start to look into what his office, what information he got, and if you can prove a motive. Now, if he got an email, even though it's not his district, so he should have forwarded it to the representative of that district, but if he got an email saying, hey, these guys are up to some dirty stuff, and if they truly were, that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that should have been handled by the district representative in Texas, not by the 7th in Maryland, uh, not for the office of Elijah Cummings. I can't even sign up. If you go to just about any um, house.gov website or senate.gov website and you try to do a contact me, if you're not in that person's district, that email, uh, that there's an autoresponder that automatically kicks you over to the correct district. So it's not even like somebody just accidentally submitted it to his website and he ran with it trying to be a nice guy. To me, there's some dirty politics going on there. And I think he should be removed, and he should also be investigated. But the House and the House Ethics Committee, I believe, are the ones who would actually get all of the Yeah, we saw how they hammered Charlie Rangel with his tax evasion, so that should be good. Well, they, they found him... <laughs> yeah. Uh, like in the John with his secretary or something. I don't know. They... They didn't they hold him in in uh <laughs> they held him responsible for tax evasion. Right. Um in a uh hold on one second. What, is that breaking news over is there? That, is that breaking news? What, <laughs> what is going on? What is that? <laughs> so we just got Jake. We just got Jake again. Um <laughs> Hey, if Sokka's not here to blame somebody. So, what are you talking about? That was Sokka. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll go to ethics. Well, what Charlie Wrangle get? Like a $75,000 fine and a slap on the hand? An elected a $75 fine? I, I, no, I think it was seventy five grand. Oh. Um, but it was something ridiculous. And he was evading his taxes. And... He's an elected official of the United States who votes on taxes. Like, uh, that's one of those things that absolutely he should have been hammered completely on, and, and he wasn't. You know, and again, I, I, I always hate to go back to Nixon, but I go back to Nixon, and, you know, he was a man who was forced to resign out of office or face impeachment, and he did. He did the right thing. He resigned and save the country a bunch of turmoil. And then you have all these representatives, House of Representatives, that rail anybody on the right. Yep. That even oh, on the right. I thought you were going to go the whole secretary thing. No, that's, okay. that's just oh. certain presidents. Um, name one. Clinton. Um, name another Kennedy. Um, never mind. Yeah, I, said <laughs> I can keep going. Um, but, you know, so that's where this is going to go. It's going to go over to the Ethics Committee. Oh, I'm nervous. And I haven't even looked at the panel on the Ethics Committee to see what the makeup of it is or who's It's like on Al it. Sharpton and uh, Jesse Jackson. Aldous Elvis Sharpton. Aldous Snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's where that's going to go. And then, so I thought that was pretty big news. I, I threw a quick article out on it because I, you know, I figured it was something that had to be commented on. And then we find out. How is that not impeachable? I would like to see how it's not impeachable. I'd like to, for somebody to prove to me how it's not. I believe it is. I absolutely believe it is. If you can prove 
that it was ill intent. And, and well, what else? What else? What's the other intent? How is it? There is no legitimate purpose for his office to have that information and, and deny it. That's the problem. Is he denied? It. If he did not deny it, if he said, "Yeah, I got the information because whatever." Then okay, but if you deny it, obviously, to me that shows the consciousness. Right. If right up front he was like, "Yeah, you know what? I got something for True the Vote, and I voted it over to the IRS, even though I should have sent it over to the," okay, all right. At least you're honest about it. You you didn't do it the right way, but we can talk about, you know, when yeah, you should, okay, it's a procedural. Right. You just screwed up in the no. future. When you deny it outright, and you know, it, it, it's not like he didn't know it happened. You know that happened. It came out of your office to Lois Lerner and the IRS. Mm-hmm. You know this happened, and you knew – but it says to me that's why he's been causing such an issue and trying to get this dismissed and thrown out is because he knew it was eventually going to come back into his own lap. Good. And it did, and mainstream media, not even crickets. Not even crickets, right? Right. Not even like, well, like you Like you didn't even hear what? Yeah, that was the sound right there. Exactly. That, that was a sound clip. You at um, least could have heard this. Yeah, but that's not. Let, play but the sound clip But it said you heard again. this. Yeah, that's the sound clip. And that's the problem right now. That's the sound clip. Um, it, it, it's a huge problem in my opinion. So I thought that was going to be like a holy moly, like this is going to blow it out of the water. This has to be one of the biggest things coming out now. Outside of the IRS controversy itself, uh, the cover-up is often worse than the crime. And, and so now you get into the cover-up, and I'm like, all right, Elijah Cummings, this is a big deal. And then turn around, and what happened this week, Clint? Clint? My earphones just cut out. What happened this week? <laughs> <laughs> so... Some emails uh, were obtained by Judicial Watch. Yes. And townhall.com did a report mm-hmm. um, about the emails between Lois Lerner and um, uh, the, uh, the Justice Department. So uh, apparently there in, in uh, May of 2013, there was an email where Lois Lerner responded. The Justice Department inquired about whether tax-exempt groups could be prosecuted criminally for perceived lying about their political activity. Uh, basically, if, if one of these groups says, hey, we're not primarily for, uh, you know, primarily for political purposes or whatnot, um, and then they end up having some form of political activity or whatnot, the DOJ wanted to be able to prosecute these groups. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what the, uh, what the email supposedly says is, quote, I got a call today from Richard Pilger, Director Elections Crimes Branch at DOJ. And she was writing this email to um, Stephen Miller, who was the acting director of the IRS at the time. Did you say Bueller? No, Stephen Miller. Oh, okay. Simmer down. It says, quote, he, uh, he wanted to know who at IRS, the DOJ folks, could talk to about Senator Whitehouse's idea at the hearing that DOJ could piece together false statement cases about applicants who, quote, lied on their 1024s, saying they weren't planning on doing political activity and then turning around and making large visible political expenditures. So planning on doing political activity, how do you prove that at the time they submitted that paperwork, they were not planning on doing political activity? 
and then they change their mind. I don't know how you prove that. So the DOJ is, is, is now you have lowest learner connected to the Justice Department talking not only about um, where she was specifically targeting uh, conservative groups, but now she's in contact with DOJ about criminally prosecuting these groups for, for being um, politically active when supposedly they're not supposed to be, or, or in their mind... They weren't under they, the criteria of being politically right, active. Right, in their mind, their, their, their political activity reaches a certain threshold um, or whatever it is. And, and obviously this shows um, proof that, again, you have coordination with various federal agencies to specifically target conservative groups. And I don't know how you read this really any other way. Mm-mm. I mean, how do you, how do you not, not read this that um, you, have, you have pressure, like Daryl Issa said, from prominent Democrats who are leading the targeting of, of Americans for political beliefs? And that's, that's I'm kind of sur- uh, summarizing what, what Daryl Issa said. It seems clear to me. Yes. And I think it seems clear to most Americans if they're paying attention to this sort of thing, and it should scare them. Look, I don't care if they're targeting conservative groups or liberal groups, any group, really. The IRS is supposed to be a nonpartisan organization, as is DOJ. Well, and, that's been proven wrong time and again, though. Well, DOJ and the holder has been very, very specific. Of, of course it is. Um, but here, here you have – the Justice Department, and we already know how Eric Holder feels about the Tea Party, mm-hmm. and we know what this is about, but here you have now the Justice Department trying to go after, what, what Tea Party groups? Um, but yet, you know, you have criminal aliens, drug smugglers coming across the border and so forth. Border intimidation? That, yeah, and that, that ties into the Bureau of Land Management case out of Nevada also. Um, where you have the federal government who won't take any action among these drug smugglers, yet they'll take action and try and impound cattle. Right. That's ridiculous to me. And we can talk about that case a little bit later because I, I actually see both sides of that, that rancher argument. Um, but the federal government is acting completely inappropriate and, and selective enforcement particularly against the citizens and against conservatives. And that's not, that, that goes against equal protection. That goes against uh, uh, doing the right thing and what their job is supposed to be. If you're going to prosecute one, you prosecute them all. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're not going to prosecute, listen, if you're not going to prosecute certain things like illegal immigration and you're not going to deport people who are supposed to be deported under the law, then why are you going to waste your resources going after maybe four or five political groups who may have written one thing on their 504C application and done another thing. It, it, it's absolute, absolute hypocrisy when you talk about um, what you just talked about. See, I don't think it's hypocrisy. I think it's oppression. I, I, think, I think it's, it's the federal government. At best, gov- it's hypocrisy. I, I think it's the federal government exerting its, its power mm-hmm. and perceived authority, although they get their authority from the people, but exerting their, their power – um, over the people in order to oppress a particular group that they don't like for their for their political prior to a major election and and that to me and it's continued mm-hmm. right that to me is is worse than than the government being hypocritical no i absolutely agree um i have a clip from jay carney who was asked about communications are challenging here 
Uh, so that should pretty much just leave everything. That's done. That's it. Communications are challenging. We don't understand. We have pea brains. That's pretty much what he tells us. That's true. <laughs> that's true. We we don't understand how the country got. Well, that's the problem. See, we do understand. Understand. Right. And, and the problem is, is we understand better than they do, um, because they're they're looking at it from the point of complete power. They they understand. They understand exactly where they want to be. Look, o- Obama has a very specific um, uh, domestic agenda. He knew coming into office domestically what he wanted to accomplish. He had, he had a blueprint in place. He's unveiled that blueprint, and he's, he's gone down that path, and he's done a pretty decent job about, um, like he said, fundamentally transforming the United States of America. He, he really has. And, I mean, if it's, if it's a domestic policy issue, if it's immigration, um, if, it's, if it's, you know, gay marriage, if it's uh, taxation, health care, whatever it even is. Even on that, he changed his view from his election and when he was uh, – He didn't change his view. He changed his talking points. His view didn't change. No, it did. He he, he was listen. No, he did not he support his talking point. No, he did not support gay marriage going into his first election. He was on record as saying it goes against his Christian values. He made that abundantly the clear. The problem is, and then as we said in our show, all of a sudden his view on the situation evolved just before an election. I don't think his view evolved. I think his view was always what it was, and he had to have that first view publicly because he wanted to get elected and he wanted to come but across the way, all right. Either way, so, though. No, he, so his, his social agenda I don't think changed. I think his talking points changed because he didn't do anything to, to, to show that he had these Christian values and that his stance on gay marriage was what he – said it was he he didn't have that stance he didn't do anything that showed that he made those talking points because he had to make himself appear to be moderate cats out of the bag now second term is coming up cats out of the bag he, you know people were tired of bush and and all the the talking points that obama had um and he needed to kind of galvanize that far left base in that election so he changed his talking points to what i believe um he really is he's a far left radical he's the most far left president we've had, the most progressive, the most radical president we've had, there is no way he had that conservative traditional view of marriage initially. So like, like I said, I, I, don't, I think that he knew exactly what he believes in domestically and socially, but internationally he flounders. Mm-hmm. Interla- internationally, the man has no idea what he's doing. And I think he's learning on the job. And look, I, being president president of the United States is a tough job, and I'm sure there is a very steep learning curve. There is a very steep learning curve, I would I would believe, for people that even spent a lot of time in politics. That that um, you know, when you become president, you become privy to to different things, and and you have to make certain decisions. And I believe that Obama was even less prepared for that. Than, than other people who... Well, he was barely a junior senator when he got elected. Right, than other people who have taken that job. But So understanding that steep learning curve, um, he has still done a, a poor job, I believe, in, 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 his, in his foreign policy, um, in this administration's foreign policy. So I, knowing that he has this agenda in place or believing that he has this... this um, social agenda in place, domestic agenda in place. It's, it's not surprising to me that agencies of the executive, the IRS, DOJ, and so forth, were uh, cooperating and collaborating to 
suppress a group that they really despise, the Tea Party group. Right. They, which they hate. I mean, they, they talk about – they coined the term uh, extremists. Oh, yeah. Or, no, they, know, they, they, they've they, added they, every, every metaphor that we use for terrorism in this country. Yeah. They, they've applied to the Tea Party and even the Christian right. They have, and there's even been documentation in in uh, in federal uh, training venues, and and you know you read the reports of and, and military training venues where they talk about um, Christians or even conservatives as being domestic right wing extremist mm-hmm. groups, and so that's what they're they're telling their federal employees or their agents or their military personnel or whoever it is that's sworn to. To protect us, I mean that. So that theology is is really rampant throughout the administration. So it's really not surprising that the tools of the executive, in the form of the IRS and the DOJ, would be used to target those Tea Party groups in order to suppress that that threat to their well, socialist utopia. And I ask, you know, this is when I start to ask, and before everyone who listens to us jumps down my throat. Um, is it something that the president is directing or leading the charge of, and or is it something um, that it's the Democrat Party in general? For you know, like with huh? the IR, with the so is it? I is it the president who's dictating these policies per se, I, I or can't, or I can't, does he have the handlers that are pushing him in that direction? I can't say the president. Is it incompetent? Look, I can't. I cannot accuse the president. Directly, because I don't have evidence. Oh, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Right. <laughs> I think it's this president's policies, absolutely. Right. It's just a matter of where they've derived from. Right. Now, the Democrats want power. There's no doubt. Just like the Republicans want power, uh, the parties are, are power-hungry entities. I, I get that. I believe that. Democrat, Republican, each party wants to stay in power um, and... Uh, you know, I think that uh, I think that now, unfortunately, a lot of times the politics, all of the time, the politics is about the party being in power as opposed to the individual, the true will of the people, or or the good of the nation. Now, I believe one party is better for the nation than the other party, but I still don't believe it's about the party. No, we talk about it all the time. Right. It's, we it's we about, hate the two-party system. It's about the people. We hate the fact that people get put up to be elected that are figureheads yeah. versus. Uh, um, People of principle, and people I, of morals and, and values. And I don't think Obama is necessarily a figurehead. I think Obama legitimately wants to transform America. I, I believe Obama is a Marxist, um, and I believe – Even though he'll never admit it. Of course not. But if you look at his policies and even the terminologies that he's used and, and the people in his administration have used – Well, and you look clear, at who he surrounded himself with as he was growing yeah, up. Yeah, it's clear that they've read Mao. I mean, even the things the president has said, the things some of the people in his administration, it's clear they they have read now and they subscribe to that philosophy. We all know that Carney's a big fan uh, of communism and communist Russia because he has pictures on his wall in his kitchen that reflect that. Yeah, propaganda propaganda pictures. Propaganda. So, I mean, that's kind of telling. And he's just the press secretary. It could just be art. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I think it's I think it's Obama and his and his. So I ask you this. If it's just art, and I always I said that being said, facetious. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. I said that because I bring it up to like when you if you ever like walked in your house, somebody's house and you saw something you couldn't believe you were seeing, and they try to sell it off as art, but then after a while, like I, I walked in like the, the dead hooker in the corner. <laughs> it's art. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I've no, covered her in shellac. Mary. I was with her last Tuesday. <laughs> I've covered her in shellac. It's just art now. <laughs> right. um, no, I, I, I walked years ago. I was probably 19. I walked into a friend's house. And the kid I thought I knew pretty well. And as I walked in, and it was like his first apartment all by himself, there's a giant Nazi flag, other Nazi memorabilia. And he's like, oh, I'm just a collector. Uh, World War II collector? Like, there's all the other stuff. You know, that's all you get your hands on. It was the most expensive. But then I started to... Sometimes people are collectors of... But then as I started talking to him, because now all of a sudden you have that heightened sense. I'd known him since he was like 13, 14. Right. But you start picking up on key things. And he was the one that told all the racist jokes and (laughs) the other ones. (laughs) Right. But they were all very specific. Why do do all of your, your, your... Pillowcases have holes cut in them. That's weird. I don't understand. What is this? How do you? Is that your nose doing that when you sleep? It's just bizarre. No, no, no. But like, eventually, I got to the point that I had to separate myself from them. Well, I would hope so. Because I, it didn't take long, but I was just like, oh, okay. Are those Doc Martens with white shoelaces? I don't understand. I didn't know you liked woodpeckers. Right. right. But. You start getting into that where you're like, wow, you think you know a guy. Same thing with Jay Carney, except with Jay Carney, it's like, we thought we knew him, but the bitches only kind of helped bolster that thought. Yeah. Right, right. You walk in, okay, figures. Right, figures head. You know, he goes from Baghdad Bob to some sort of Russian name I haven't come up with yet. Uh, <laughs> comrade. Comrade Carney. Comrade Carney. Carney. <laughs> Uh, I get to retitle a couple sound clips now to Comrade Carney. (laughs) Hey, you walk 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 into my house and there's like shotguns on the wall, ammunition everywhere. Like you said, I've seen World War II displays in people's houses where they've had just an abundance. You know, like I understand the art collection aspect of it, Mm -hmm. but usually if somebody collects, don't hang a big Nazi. Flag. Garrison flag. They don't say cover your wallet. They try to say it's art. Right. You put that away, away somewhere. Hey, this is a period relic. It's a real battle flag from whatever. Yeah, I was, like I said, I was young and ignorant at the time. Right. And like, it took a while for it to come together. I'm just like, man, this guy must be really religious. Look, look at all these wooden crosses. Look, my family. I mean, <laughs> right. My, my family. Uh, these are, oh, they're iron crosses? Oh, okay, whatever. That's weird. Why my are family, these ones made of wood? My family fought in World War II. Right. Um, and and I have family that fought in the European theater and family that fought in the Pacific theater. Mm-hmm. And look, I have I have some, some paraphernalia of history from from each. Right? Yeah, as and, do I. But I don't I don't have a Nazi battle flag hanging on the wall. As a matter of fact, I don't have anything out on on display. It's a very personal right, family, family mementos. Right. Right. But yeah, like I don't have a, a like an red armband or anything. <laughs> I don't have uh, a custom oh, yeah. fitted uniform. Right. No, what what do I? I'm wear a role for? player. I oh, just yeah, haven't no, got I, to it in a few I, years. I wear this just because it's uh, you know heirloom. I, I do know. the World War II role playing. I just haven't gone in a long time. Right. <laughs> I LARP. That's a new World War II LARPing. You haven't heard about that? Live action role play? No big deal. I play I'm, Hitler. I'm trying to start it. I'm the only one so far, but right. I'm trying to get some other people on board. You know, but it takes a it takes one with courage to make I a difference. I need Asian guy Hirohito. Anyone? <laughs> no, but the same thing is. Um, my grandfather has a, a, a pistol from World War II that has a, a, a Nazi insignia. It was a um, naval captain's pistol. Um, we've done the research, and that's locked away in a safe in glass uh, because it's 
probably worth a ton of money. I've never actually priced it. But he also has um, a samurai sword off a dead Japanese naval officer um, that he held for safekeeping. And they said, go home with it. You know, <laughs> so that was cool. Um, but again, in a display case up on a wall. See, I don't have any weapons at all from World War II battlefields. <laughs> Either. You can check my house. <laughs> oh crap I just gave consent <laughs> all of a sudden the feds are going to show up at the door and just hit play like, ah, damn it you got me come on in <laughs> oh would I hide man. spice antiques in the stove <laughs> would I do that would I light the stove my good pal Muggsy was inside <laughs> Goodbye, Rabbit. Goodbye. <laughs> Still one of my favorite Bugs Bunny cartoons of all time. Uh, you know who one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters is? Ooh. Pepe Le Pew, the wood pussy. 347-205-9399. When we come back, I don't even know what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about something fun just for you fine folks here on the Sackheads Radio Show. <laughs> Hey, if you care about what's going on in the world, you cannot afford to miss my show. Hi, this is Andrea Kay, your host of The Andrea Kay Show. It's not always about the money. Okay, it is always about the money, but it's also about politics, pop culture, and you. The only thing street about this show is the smarts. There's a reason they call me Dynamite in a Dress, and you'll find out why when you listen Tuesday mornings at 10 on Financial News and Talk. Hello, I'm Paul, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is my professor, Dr. Larry Arn, on the separation of church and state. America's founders believed in the separation of church and state, in that the country was not to have an official religion or an official sect. But that did not mean that government was to be hostile to religion, or even indifferent to religion, as many today argue. In fact, America's founding document, the Declaration of Independence, includes both a reference to God as the author of the laws of nature, and a confident assertion that human beings are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Far from being hostile or indifferent to religion, America's founders understood the theology of the Declaration to be an essential part of the education of citizens. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. How you doing? John Grant here. When I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcasts on the 405radio.com. 
Hey folks, it's Sean from Sackheads Radio. As a native Bostonian, my heart broke on April 15, 2013, watching those horrendous attacks at the Boston Marathon. Now there's a way that you can help. Go to onefundboston.org, O-N-E-F-U-N-D-B-O-S-T-O-N.org, where you can donate to help the victims and families from this awful attack. Onefundboston.org, all the proceeds will go directly to the victim's family. Thank you very much from Sackheads Radio. Now back to Clinton Sean on Sackheads Radio, radiating elegancy and quality. 347-205-9399 is the phone number here on the Sackheads Radio Show. You know, I just heard the, uh, my ad for One Fun Boston. And did you hear about the jackass they arrested in Wakefield, Massachusetts, or Boston, Massachusetts? I did. Wakefield. So apparently, yesterday on the anniversary of the Boston Marathon bombings, um, some jackass decided that he'd take it upon himself and... Uh, to go to the exact location that the bombs were placed and have a backpack that had a rice cooker inside, not a pressure cooker, but a rice cooker filled with confetti, um, dropped it, and then began yelling a whole bunch of insane stuff to the point that citizens flagged the police down and contacted him, and then he became combative with the police. Um, but really? He got arrested. He was charged with a hoax device, uh, possession of a hoax device, and disorderly conduct. Um, and amazingly, a judge sent him to a state hospital for mental evaluation, so I'm sure he'll get out on a mental release. But um, can you just imagine at this point? You know, it, then I heard that MSNBC ran a – and I, I want to issue a challenge in a second. But as MSNBC okay. yesterday ran a piece um, that was sympathetic to the Boston Marathon yep. bombings um, in, in which – you know, it was like kind of telling their story and, yep. you know, whether or not they really had conviction and all this other stuff or they not conviction of whether or not they, you know, even there was questioning if it was even them on some level. Oh, jeez. And, and, and first and foremost, I watched. Uh, you know what? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe they just led the police on a big, long <laughs> pursuit and shoot out. For no reason whatsoever. And for no reason They gunned down poor officer uh, Collier. Right. Um Nat Geo, National Geographic, did a great segment called Inside the Boston Marathon Bombings, if you have a chance, and we don't normally push stuff like that, but if you have a chance, you should watch it. It really gives insight. But the other thing it did is it gave eyewitness interviews um, from the bombing. It gave eyewitness interviews from the day of the pursuit um, right up to uh, the guy. They interviewed the guy who found uh, uh, Joe Cars and IF in his boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a chance, you know, you know it touches me personally because of what it was. Um, but it touches a lot of people. If you have a chance, you should watch that. It's actually really well done. Um, and how they put that whole case together and they caught those uh, bastards. Um, so to the producer of MSNBC, um, and you know we don't condone violence on the show, so I'm not going to go down that road. Right. Um, I, I would like to issue a, a challenge of a boxing match. Not violent. We both enter into a contract just like any other sporting event. It's not a street fight or anything like that. But if he would like to make an all, if he wants to do it, we'll find, I'll find out his name. All uh, proceeds will go to the One Fun Boston charity. So How many rounds? I'll do 12. I'll, hopefully I'll be able to smoke during it. We'll have to do it outside somewhere. Um, <laughs> 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 all I can think of, do you ever see the movie Old School? <laughs> when he's on the rings and he's got the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. 
I, who is who is the uh, who is the boxer in the that Bugs Bunny fight? That's what I pictured you as. It's kind of like a bald, wrinkly head in the back. No, but I'm serious. I think that'd be a good way to raise money for charity. Uh, if that producer wants to, because I, I, listen, if you want to run that, if you don't know who that producer is. I'm going to find I, somebody. Oh, I'll find out. Like Rocky Balboa. I'll find out. I'll, I'll still, hey, to raise money, I'll take the beating. To raise money for that charity, I would take that beating. Okay. So even if the guy ends up beating your ass. MMA. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Listen, I, okay. I'm not saying I'm going to win. Okay. But I, I just want to bring awareness to such poor taste by those in mainstream media. You had 364 other days you could have ran that. Right. You could have ran it the night before. And it or wouldn't a have couple been, days before. Or a couple days afterwards. Yeah. You know, you could have ran it. Um, same day as the marathon instead of the same day as the memorial. Right. You could have ran it on the day of the pursuit even. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, okay, I, I'm still not thrilled about it, but I, I'm not one to stifle speech. As you know, on this show, I would never do that. Right. Um, then, okay. But it comes down to taste and the lack of taste. And listen, mainstream uh, uh, MSLSD is just in the toilet. I mean, their numbers are horrible. Um, they have absolutely Weird. nobody that watches that, um, with the exception of other media to see what kind of crap they put on. And I understand that it's a rating, and they're all about ratings boost. I mean, look at with the Alec Baldwin thing and all that stuff. It's all about getting ratings because they have nothing. I mean, they are absolutely like the, the homeless people of mainstream media. Um, Socko. <laughs> but so that's the challenge I'm issuing. Find that producer's name. I'll tweet it out to him directly. Oh, Socko brought me Oreos. Um, Socko brought me McDonald's. <laughs> and I issue a, a boxing match, 12 rounds. Um, Sir Marcus at Queensbury rules. And we can go from there. <laughs> it's much more old school. Much more old school. I don't know what that even is. First of all, you have to box with your hands way up in front of you and your wrist kind of curled back, and you have to do a lot of, like, circular motions with your hands. It's a big deal. But that, that's my theory on that. Um, but uh, I'm not kidding about that. But I, I just can't imagine in this day. Can you imagine on the anniversary of 9-11? And I, I, don't get me wrong. I know it's two considerably different events. I understand that the amount of uh, the loss of life and destruction at 9-11 was considerably more than what it could But it's still a terrorist attack of the United States. Can you imagine if they ran um, a, a, a pro video for Timothy McVeigh on the day of, um, you know, on the first Oklahoma. anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing? I mean, just pro uh, uh, Nadal Hassan on the first anniversary of Foot Hood. Uh, uh, all these issues. Uh, uh, pro Mamar uh, Abu blah blah blah, blah uh, cop killer. Yeah. Oh wait, they do that. Right. But uh, <laughs> but just the amount of insensitivity, the just complete in your face. Uh, the only word I could think of is jackassery. Um, that's put out to sell some advertising. It, to me, is deplorable and horrible, and it's everything that's wrong with that. Situation. See, I didn't, I didn't think I wasn't going to talk about it tonight because I think they do it for that shock media. Right. I, th I think they do it to get their name out there. Right, and, and don't uh, – if you listen to this, don't Google it and give them the – don't do anything like that. I'm telling you what's in it. I'm not going to lie. But just think the next time if you have that liberal friend that says, oh, I was watching Maddow or something like that, bring that up to them. Oh, yeah, you're watching the same people who, on the first anniversary of the Boston Marathon bombings, played a 
video that's sympathetic to the bombers? Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, they're innocent before proven guilty. They absolutely- there's, a, there's a mindset out there, Sean, no. and they are innocent and until know, proven absolutely. guilty. Absolutely. But there's a mindset out there that America is always in the wrong. I know, and, and it's that horrible. mindset exists on the left. And, and just I, like there is that mindset to some on the right where the government has absolutely no place to do anything and everything the government does is wrong, and that's not, that's not the case either. But there is that mindset on the left that America is so evil and so wrong that we need to have sympathy for these people. And I think MSNBC plays to them. Well, I just think, uh, you know, I just think of the family of the victims, uh, um, little Martin Richard, uh, Officer Collier. You know, I, I just think of those families. They don't care about the families or those. Families. I know, and that's the problem. You know, we do this. Are you okay, Sako? Sako is dying on the. Sako, go outside if you're going to choke. <laughs> you know, we do this because we care. That's part of the reason we do this. Is because yeah. we care. Um, and, and you know, we poke fun at a lot of things. We poke fun at ourselves as well. But we also do it. Not to sell. Listen, uh, someday I'll show you the numbers from the show. We're not going to be retiring on this anytime soon. We plan on it down the line, but you know, uh, we understand the fact that our honesty sometimes would hurt our pocketbook, and that's fine. But we don't care. But we don't care. We do this for the reason of defending the republic, getting information out there that's otherwise squashed, giving real analysis on things that occurred, trying to be as forthcoming as possible. And listen, if you've listened to our shows, we hit both sides just as equally. No, we don't hit both sides equally. We hit the left much harder or much more often, but we do hit the right also when it needs to be done. Right. But we Exactly. But we don't pull punches with either. No. So, you know, that's one of those things that I, I, I really was just disgusted and mortified um, when I heard about it, and of course I had to go watch it because I just I, I had to know what I was talking about. It's part of this job, you get forced to do stuff like that. MSNBC are leeches, absolute leeches on the bottom of pond scum, and, and I'll the leave bottom it at that. Of pond scum. Yeah, underneath the pond scum. But a leech is a surviving living organism. They're barely surviving and living, but they're still surviving and but living. But they still thrive. But leeches thrive, so. What about they're like the high desert tortoise? No, wait, that's thriving too. That's thriving too. <laughs> so the government shouldn't do anything about that. Um, no, high desert tortoise wasn't that a Clint Eastwood western? <laughs> that was High Plains Drifter. Never mind. That's a great movie. It was one of my favorites. It was a great movie. Absolutely, it was one of my favorites. High Desert Tortoise was something else. So, so that's my spiel on that. And, and of course, yesterday was the one-year anniversary that the, the marathon's coming up this coming Monday. Um, so, you know, like, like we say on 9-11, thoughts and prayers to the families mm-hmm. um, that were affected by that tragedy. And, and it's still fresh in the mind. And, you know, listen, I've talked to a lot of people this week back home. Um, and this is why I love where I'm from is because – the, some of it's bravado because that's just who we are, but some of it's also legitimate when you say, hey, you know, how's the city? How's it responding? They're like, yeah, it happened. We moved on. And not moved on like we've forgotten, but moved on like it's not changing who we are and what we do, and we're not afraid of those pricks, which is exactly what somebody said to me. <laughs> that's a direct quote. Um, it, it, that whole just uh, uh, unafraid, not going to be affected, not going to let somebody else dictate how they exist. Um, is one of the things that makes that city great. And, and um, 
that really kind of summarizes the city for me. And it's bounced, you know, it's taken that such stride. It's embraced it and it's moved on. Um, it's embraced the victims and taken care of the victims. You know, uh, the Red Sox went out and won the World Series. You know, everything worked out right that year afterwards uh, because that's how Boston is. And I, I just, my hats are off to, uh, I would have liked to people to, there. I would have liked to have seen MLB have done something to where, like, everybody wore um, a, 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 a B. And, and so, there are some teams that did that. Some teams, but absolutely. Like last night in Major League Baseball, all of the teams, every player, every umpire, every coach wore the number forty-two. Right, right. Jackie Robinson Day. Yes, which is a so, great thing to do. Which Don't is get a great me wrong. Thing to do. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, yes. Jackie Robinson was a hero of Major League Baseball, and I completely get it. But I would have liked for everybody to wear wear the B. Boston Strong armband or or something for on that anniversary. Just yeah. like on nine eleven, I think everybody in Major League Baseball should wear. And on December seventh. Yeah. Well, they don't play baseball in December. No, but, um, but you know what I mean. NFL. But on July Fourth, they all wear the stars and stripes version of the right. uniforms and stuff like or that. Or the military uh, yeah. version. Um, so there's a lot out there. So, <laughs> so, but I, I just I would have liked to see that as well, and on other uh, um, on all of them, not just MLB, but all the major sports leagues um, that played last night. And, and you know, there was a bunch of teams that last year that I that did a great job and. Mm-hmm. Um, of doing that and supporting that, and a lot of other cities. Um, Chicago um, dedicated pages of the Chicago Sun, I believe it was, um, to to the victims of Boston. They did a really great analogy on uh, how the sports scenes from Boston and the city of Boston represent each other. That was really well. Just things like that. Um, and I said this last year, but it makes me so glad through all of our political differences that we have and all of our... Um, issues that we have with the left, the right, whatever, when something like that happens to see how this country comes together um, and supports it, um, just like everyone did in 9-11, just like everyone did for Oklahoma City, as we talked about, Fort Hood, um, and they did that for Boston. I think, you know, the people of Boston are not ones to really shed a tear for something like that. You know, they, we, we kind of play the tough guy all the time because that's just who we are. Um, but I, I can tell you, as a Bostonian with a lot of friends back home, it was felt, and it's still felt today. And it still felt this year going into the marathon. But not everybody in America does that because you have no. the, like, the Rolling Stone magazine that made him look like a Jim Morrison, freaking rock star. Yeah, they, they essentially and, put up a picture the, where he looks like Jim Morrison. Right. Well, but those are individuals. Those are specific individuals. And listen, if you read the numbers on the Rolling Stone after that, they tanked. They got hurt. That hurt them bad. Uh, the people, Good. the people responded, and, and I thought that was huge. And it's little things like that. It transcends politics and issues and all that stuff. They and numbers tanked for like the next three or four months after that. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that's huge. I think that really shows the fabric of this nation, you know, that sometimes the best of people come out in the worst times, and, and that's exactly what happened. You know, when the New York Yankees are running a video tribute at their stadium, that really tells you. <laughs> that's if, true. If anyone knows the Red Sox and Yankees rivalry, it, it gets ugly on a regular basis. Um, yeah. it, 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 you know, it, but you know what I think the fabric of our nation is? What's that? Hemp. <laughs> that's only the fabric of certain politicians. Oh, yeah. Right. I think cotton is actually the closer one. Uh, are we allowed to say cotton anymore? Is that still an acceptable word? Yeah. Remember, we're taking, we're taking the hate back. Oh, we're taking the hate back. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay, good. 
So that's my spiel on the uh, uh, the Boston anniversary for the Boston Marathon bombings. You know, I know I know we spent some time with the IRS, but I wanted to get back. Have you? Did you read Donald Rumsfeld's letter to the IRS? I had not. So yesterday, Donald Rumsfeld uh, writes a letter, and I'd like to read it. It's not long, but I think it's great. I, 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 if Donald Rumsfeld can write a letter like this, and uh, he's he's the old uh, Secretary of Defense under under George Bush. But he sent it directly to uh, the IRS at, uh, in Washington, D.C., and he says, Dear Sir or Madam, I have sent in our federal income tax and our uh, gift tax returns for 2013. As in prior years, it is important for you to know that I have absolutely no idea whether our tax returns and our tax payments are accurate. I say that despite the fact that I am a college graduate and I try hard to make sure our tax returns are accurate. The tax code is so complex and the forms are so complicated that I know that I cannot have uh, any confidence that I know what is being requested and therefore I cannot and do not know, and I suspect a great many Americans cannot know, whether or not their tax returns are accurate. As in past years, I have spent more money than I wanted to spend to hire an accounting firm to prepare our tax returns, and I believe they are well qualified. This note is to alert you folks that I know that I do not know whether or not my tax returns are accurate, which is sad commentary on governance in our nation's capital. If you have questions, let me know, and I will ask our accountants to be in touch with you and try to provide any additional information that you think you need. I do hope that at some point in my lifetime, I am now in my 80s, so there are not many years left, the U.S. government will will simplify the U.S. tax code so that those citizens who sincerely want to pay what they should are able to do it right, and know that they have done it right. I should add that my wife of 59 years, also a college graduate, has signed our joint return, but she also knows that she does not have any idea whether or not our tax payments are accurate. Sincerely, Donald Rumsfeld. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I think that is great. I think the first two lines, I've sent in our federal income tax and our gift tax returns for 2013. As in prior years, it's important for you to know that I have absolutely no idea whether our tax returns or tax payments are accurate. <laughs> hey, listen, I work pretty high up in the government. I have a couple. I, I'm pretty smart. Um, you know, I can use a slide rule. Right. And I couldn't tell you for the life of me. So here's what I'm going to do. If I'm wrong, let me know. Right. If I'm right. Send me the difference. We're going to work on the honest list. I wonder if he did that on purpose. I don't know. So if he overpaid, is he going to get audited? Uh, no. They won't, they won't audit him. He's too high profile. Because he'll come out and say it. He's not afraid. Especially. Yeah, but this letter, he's admitting that he has no idea, right? So why wouldn't they audit him to ensure that he is paying the proper amount? Because he would absolutely, absolutely make a big deal out of it, and they know it. They, they'll never touch him. They they should, based on his statements. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Hey, uh, Donald, you know why we're here, right? Yep, come on in. (laughs) No, I literally have four piles of receipts over there. um, And some of them, am I allowed to write off adult diapers? Because I did. (laughs) It's a medical necessity at this point. So, (laughs) Oh. Oh, man, that's. But it goes to show how insane. Now, former defense secretary yeah. doesn't know if his taxes are right. Right. It has no idea. And it's not that he's an idiot. No. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, he, he says in his Twitter, it's his annual letter to the IRS. 
<laughs> That's even better. So he writes this letter every year. <laughs> That's almost, at, he has a disclaimer with his tax return. That's he's actually awesome. smart because he's saying if he gets audited or they try and get him for fraud, he's saying, no, look, I sent the letter right here saying that I have no idea. I wasn't trying to hide it. I told them I had no idea, so I'm not trying to commit fraud. I encourage every person who filed an extension this year to copy and paste that letter and sign your name into it. Change the, you know, change the biographical stuff to match yours. Don't start claiming to be Donald Rumsfeld. That's all bad. Don't plagiarize the letter. <laughs> Stop telling people <laughs> it's to not, plagiarize. It's not, uh, it, it's not plagiarized. Not it's not plagiarize the letter. No. You can write a similar letter. No, plagiarize it. Do not plagiarize a letter. It's not illegal. It's not an official form. It's an official letter from Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> He's a citizen like you and me. So if it's a citizen plagi- wrote a book, I can plagiarize it. That's different. He's selling it for money. It's How copyrighted. It's trademarked. Is it copyrighted and trademarked? I don't know. Do you? Is there a C or a T on it? There is a C. No, no not, not in one the of the T. words. That and I awesome. see a couple T's in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I still say copy it. I mean, wouldn't that be great? And next year, 2016, we're gonna have that letter again because I'm sending one in with mine. Wouldn't it be great if everybody, everybody sent in theirs with that? Oh yeah. I mean, just I know. Oh, uh, here comes the environmentalist. You're killing all those trees for a joke. What is wrong? It's with not you? a joke. It's CYA. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Have you ever written on your time card all time? Have you ever written on your time card all times are approximate? I have. <laughs> Look, watches are different. I use guesstimate. <laughs> <laughs> all times are a pretty good strong maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm almost sure about that. No, uh, you know. I, I, it is a sad state of affairs, but that's where we are. You know, we talked about the taxes for a long time ago, and a lot of people fail that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things, too, that I, I always warn people of when you go to these tax companies, and I'm not an, an accountant. Like maybe, the IRS? Is that a tax company? No, company, not government-run entity. Oh, um, like GM? Make sure you read the small print when you sign it, because I know people that have signed it. Like, they go to, and I'm not going to say the name of the company because it's one individual that screwed up. Mm-hmm. But they go to a company and they get their taxes done and they are, well, I'm just going to get my money in five days, blah, 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 blah. And they send it in and whoever their tax person was at this company hosed it. And when I say hosed it, I mean like it was a six alarm fire and they were doing just massive amounts of water on it. And, and he got audited and he went back to the company and they're like, and they're like well, you signed right here that this is right and accurate. <laughs> He ended up winning long term, but it took a while. <laughs> so have an idea that there's actually a couple of great websites out there that you could put up, you could put in without putting your personal information, how much you made, how much you paid in taxes, and kind of give you an estimate before you go where you should be ballpark. Um, and I recommend you use stuff like that because it, it's definitely, in the IRS, I don't care. A lot of people say, oh, they're the kind of gentler IRS. They don't screw around. They will absolutely hurt you. If you physically, possibly, uh, but definitely financially, if you are not on the ball with them, is that a death penalty case? Like, is is not paying your taxes appropriately a federal death penalty? Because I know you can be a terrorist and you can't waterboard them and you know do any of those other things, but I'm pretty sure if you don't pay up to the IRS, that it is 
perhaps a death penalty case. Yes, no? I, I think it's going to be close to death penalty. It okay. might be 25 to life. It may be, it may be flogging or <laughs> caning. I don't know. Like sugar caning, where it sounds nice, right? But it's actually like very, very, it hurts a lot. Sugar caning. <laughs> My family's from Hawaii. We've had this talk, right? Have you ever been sugar caned before? No. I have as a kid. It's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible experience. It sounds awesome, right? Like, my mom, I'm going to sugar cane you. I was like, yes. We have a caller? Yes. Who? Who is he? Hey, boys, now? look what I got here. Hey, where are the white women at? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shaft Baby Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the man? Ken, my man. Ken, how are you, buddy? Yeah, dang right. <laughs> you can just sing the whole song. I'm gonna sit here and tap my show, my, tap my toe. We're gonna live music tonight. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Good, Good evening, Mother. How are you? Conservative. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, it is it is it is I me, uh, depending on which uh, language or ebonics you're studying at your local school. <laughs> I actually take advanced ebonics. <laughs> also, you know me. Be called it into your very station, right? To Bostonian. I, I'm sorry. What you say? What you say, Ken? It's actually very close. You know it me. Very close I to Boston. It to your station. Uh, you see how I get God, treated on it. I'm seeing it. You see how I get treated on this show? It's awful. It's awful. It, it really is. It really is. It, it, <laughs> hey, you know, but it's not often that people get a chance to speak like they're going into the parlor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to go in the parlor. That's where you can sit down and put your feet up on the piazza. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being in Boston, unless you happen to be uh, the vice president of the United States. <laughs> Wonderful speech. Uh, I, I'm quite certain you were very proud of the vice president's speech um, uh, that you all survived. Uh, and, and uh, by golly, with all those uh, Obamacare bills that are coming into Medicare and Medicaid that we're about to reject, I just want you to know that we sincerely Support the fact that you went through a terrorist act. Here's, here's the funny part. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm going to pull up a, a statistic while you talk about that for a second that I got um, that you're going to absolutely love. So go ahead and talk about the president's speech, uh, vice president's speech for one second. No, I, I just I, I just thought it was really amazing um, that it, first and foremost for me, it just goes to the understanding of why. Obama is still president, simply because everyone looks at the number two and understands there's not much <laughs> left. Okay, hey, if anything happens to this guy, you could get worse. At all costs, protect him at all costs, politically, physically, it doesn't matter. Um, don't let him. I wonder, you know, I always wonder if um, – uh, Republicans aren't even like, no, let's not impeach him because seriously, look what's coming down the road behind him. You know what I mean? It's the lesser of the evils right now. <laughs> Dumb is just 
incognito. Uh, you just, just <laughs> worse than that one. I tell you. Wait, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny, Ken. Um, you talk about you talked about the healthcare and Medicaid, um, and, and I'm still looking. But how many people do you think, on average, after Obamacare? Now, keep in mind, Massachusetts did have its own healthcare system in place, as we all know. Romney Care was there. Um, mm-hmm. But how many people? Yeah. And all the southern states thank Romney for that. Yes. Because um, all the businesses left. <laughs> how many people do you think that they signed up in total for subs- uh, subsidized QHB or Obamacare natural, not the Massachusetts one, but Obamacare, the one that was supposed to bridge the gap, even in Massachusetts? What do you think the amount of enrollment was? Just throw a number if we look, if we If we look at what Rand says, uh, we should be dancing with the president as well. Eighty hundred and forty-five thousand individuals after three trillion dollars of spending. Uh, gosh darn, we should have just sent all that money out individually and would have stirred the economy completely. <laughs> <laughs> the total so far in Massachusetts, as of April eighth, I believe, um, from December first, twenty thirteen, to April eighth, twenty fourteen. 769 people in Massachusetts signed up for Obamacare. Woo! Let's go to the board again, fellas. They just brought Gary Lewis out. Guess how many uh, um, left uh, Medicare, uh, the state Medicare, uh, medical security as they call it, but the state Medicare, and um, overall that in that time period, that four, and a, four months, one week. Out of Massachusetts, I would probably see about 20,000 people left. 3,063 people. So they'd rather uh, stay on the state Medicare system than go to Obamacare because that's how bad the numbers were. And the transitional coverage, i.e. the temporary Medicaid, this is the ones we've talked about there, the flat files that you don't have to prove anything up front. You just sign exactly. up and, and they'll say, oh, well, we'll eventually get around to screening you and how much money um, you'll pay. But right now you're just good to go under Medicaid. How many people... The number is 159,111 people who at this point have free coverage. Free coverage. They don't have to prove anything. And now say half of them. Let's just say half of them, roughly 80,000 people, go to the ER for anything. Even a doctor for a cold. Anything at all. You're talking minimum two, three hundred bucks as soon as they walk through the door, right? Mm-hmm. That they're just giving out. And... What they don't tell people is if they um, if they prove to be fraudulent, they're going to have to pay it all back. And they didn't tell anybody that. Massachusetts has a total on the state on the Commonwealth Care um, or Mass Health as it is, 1.6 million people. Commonwealth Care, which is the uh, uh, the really the step down on the Mass, it's uh, kind of like the bronze plan, 100, 101,000 people. So, you know. The state side of it, people like, right, whether you agree or disagree with yeah. it. People in Massachusetts generally like the state side of it. Um, there are those people that still hold on to their Cadillac plans, as they like to call it, to make you sound rich and famous. Um, a lot of people still hold on to it because it's better than all of them. But 769 individuals signed up for Obamacare in the state of Massachusetts. Is that not insane? That is insane, but you know what? I really appreciate the effort that the great state of Massachusetts, excuse me, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, applied in terms of enrolling people. 
uh, finding as many people they could in the cemetery, uh, sign the paperwork, and get enrolled <laughs> at the last minute uh, <laughs> to 769. They did a far better job of spending their money to enroll those 769 people than the state of Oregon, which just said yes. after the first day, screw it. Hey, uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're going to give up because this is there's a lot of numbers and stuff that we don't want to deal with. Hey, Ken, we're up against the break. You're going to hang on the line and okay. stay on the other side with us? I, I, will, hang, I will hang on All with right, you. We'll, back to three here on the Sackheads Radio Show. The Actionaries Speak radio program. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's there. Friday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Here on BTR. How you doing? John Grant here. When I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcast on the 405radio.com. This is Tammy Jackson inviting you to join me on the Tammy Jackson Show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific on the 405radio.com. Put down that remote and tune into the show that covers politics, guns in the Second Amendment, religious liberty, sanctity of life, the military, and more. I host newsworthy guests and work hard to be a conservative radio show that's not like all the others. So save Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific for me, Tammy Jackson, on the 405media.com. Hello, I'm Paul, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is my professor, Dr. Larry Arn, on the separation of church and state. America's founders believed in the separation of church and state, in that the country was not to have an official religion or an official sect. But that did not mean that government was to be hostile to religion, or even indifferent to religion, as many today argue. In fact, America's founding document, the Declaration of Independence, includes both a reference to God as the author of the laws of nature, and a confident assertion that human beings are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Far from being hostile or indifferent to religion, America's founders understood the theology of the Declaration to be an essential part of the education of citizens. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. Hi, this is Rooster from Outcry Radio. Catch me here on Blog Talk Radio every Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or follow my blog at conservativeoutcry.net. Now, back to the Sackheads. Welcome back to the only group that's like a televangelist group. Just kidding. We're the Sackheads Radio Show, 347-205. No, but but seriously, if you want the Sackheads to give you a blessing, just... 
make your check payable to SHR. <laughs> SHR Media. This LLC. is the right reverend Al Sharpton. We will please put your please put your towels, your panties up against the radio. I swear, <laughs> the Lord will bless you as you have just blessed me. <laughs> now press the PayPal button on the right of the page and donate. <laughs> or the good Please Lord himself the, will come and get it from you. You can keep the towel, but put the panties in the envelope and mail it. Thank you. <laughs> He's got no time for that. He's too busy snitching on the uh, on mob people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but what's, what's, what's even worse? What's even worse is that the attorney general, the person who is the highest lawman in the country, who is supposed to have the highest moral character of anyone, steps onto the stage that Al Sharpton gives him, the former snitch, uh, don't come to Baltimore, brother, uh, and he professes that racism that's keeping the black man down from the presidency and from the attorney generalship. And then... Obama comes in the next day and says that everything that my attorney general said is absolutely right. It is the man trying to keep us down, even though he is literally the man. So it is the <laughs> white side of Obama that's oppressing the black side of the attorney general. And we need to speak against that. <laughs> hey, hey, don't go, don't go there with me, buddy. Um, you don't want to go there with me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I love that because, you know, all right, if if Holder, and we know Holder's a complete company man, there's no doubt about it. Well, hang on a second. You heard what Al Sharpton said about Easter, right? No. Oh, you didn't? No. Yeah. Wait, wait. Well, Easter Easter is about the the uh, um, political crucifixion of Obama. That's what you <laughs> oh, you haven't seen this? No, I have not seen this. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, here's Al Sharpton's quote. I think that the message is, and I can't do an Al Sharpton voice, no matter what the world may do to unfairly, no matter how you're crucified, nailed to the cross at home or in your personal relationships or on the job that you can rise if you don't lose yourself during the hard times and the challenges. <laughs> the story of Jesus on the cross, no matter what they humiliated him with, no matter how they mocked him, he took it because he knew he could rise. And the story of Easter and my message for this Easter session is no matter what unearthed sufferings you go through, that if you know you can rise above it, don't become like the disease that you fight. As I looked at President Obama at our convention last Friday, where all he took, he's been able to rise politically again. I'm not comparing him to Jesus, but I am saying that to every crucifixion, there is a resurrection for those who believe. The funny part is, and this out is uh, Jesse Jackson was standing right next to him and said, "I, I, I, every, everything that he said." So I, I think that's good. It's nice to see Jesse out again. Yeah. Uh, and, oh my God. So Bright, Breitbart uh, ran a story on it. Washington Times, uh, MSNBC, of course, did something. No, no, that's weird. No, MSNBC, of course, the Blaze, right. Um, all the hater newspapers, uh, right? All the yeah, all the hater ones. Uh, I read that quote uh, from from Breitbart, but uh, I wanted to throw it out there. So you guys were talking about that stuff. I figured it kind of played in. I apologize if uh, if I interrupted no, and if it, you didn't know about that. No, I did not know that. I, although I am my brother's keeper, he doesn't happen to be one of them. 
<laughs> Ken, can I take his place? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Latinos. I, I, I'm just, I, I, you know, you really know how the hypocrisy, the just bloody hypocrisy of it all, and, and not just to even measure one uh, to the true Messiah. I, I mean, that takes kahunas. Uh, and apparently a man with a Jerry Coral. Uh, for 30 years, half the Kahunas make that comparison. Um, but <clears throat> this whole idea... His, his ankles right about now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people like one of those little peg things, you know, you used to get the little candy out of when he was introducing the president and introducing... He's like, you expect his neck to go back and the candy to come out. You know, <laughs> you big head guy. <laughs> Isn't, that, isn't his head just getting bigger every year and not metaphorically, like physically, like he looks like a bobblehead. Like if he just stood straight up and just shook his head and, and there was no point of reference, you would think he was a bobblehead. Like if he had Parkinson's? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I didn't mean that to make fun. No, no, I understand what you're saying. You were using a point of reference. Yeah. I, I just, you know, to go, back, to go back to Holder and the president – I understand that Holder is no longer he, he yeah, he's the Secretary of Justice or the, but he's not. You know, he, he he's a company man. He does exactly what he's told to do. But mm-hmm. if he if they marched him out there to make those comments two days earlier and then the president came out and, and completely stayed away from the topic altogether because his message was already put out there, I'd be like, mm-hmm. uh, all right, that's politics. But I, I get it. You know, it's politics, and I'm not happy about it. But at least I get it. The president's not going to put himself in that situation to dare stoop himself. He has his cronies to do that. And then when he walks out and he starts doing almost the exact same thing, I, I, I was just like, there is zero moral turpitude left in that administration whatsoever. You, you know, the funny, funny thing is that you all bring out uh, so precisely – uh, during the hearing, he really did not sound as black as he did uh, giving that speech before the National uh, no. Association Network or whatever. Like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, 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 buddy, you don't know how much I really care. And then he gets before he's like, yo, man, I really think they're taking advantage of me based on the color of my skin. Don't y'all feel the same way? It was like an old Eddie Murphy skit. You know, you're right. I mean, the voice that he threw out for that speech was nowhere close to the same one. And listen, it's like it's like when Joe, you know, you know where Joe's been and visiting what countries because he has the accent, because he has a mental brain power, I think, of a three-year-old, and he just absorbs it. You know, but Holder, that was total bravado, you know. Two days earlier, three days earlier, it's, uh, you don't want to go there with me, buddy. I take these things very seriously. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's in front of a speech with, quote, unquote, his own people. And he's just like, yo, here's the deal, man. And you're like, dude, really? Like, that, it's ridiculous. But Obama, oh, vacation. When you see Obama uh, um, with old white people, he's very just like, Calm, collected, very, very, very clear spoken, spoke. Uh, but you see him like when I saw him taking the selfie with David Ortiz and the Red Sox, he's like talking ghetto to them, and he's trying to use slang. 
which is even worse because he's not at all a slang thrower. It's not like when the door closes, he lets his hair down. You know, I think that, I don't think he, and it's fine if he doesn't, who cares? But he feels like he has to pander to the crowd that he's in front of. And that kind of gives you an insight to who he is. Exactly. Exactly. A man who's never really been comfortable in his own skin. Uh, and, you know, what really, what really appeals to me in terms of humor uh, is this whole idea that he misses the daily national security briefings uh, and others sit in for him. And I'm wondering, what does he give that up for? Probably to learn how to speak uh, either Latino or speak. Oh, jive. There you go. <laughs> Those are much more important than national security. Don't worry about it. We'll bomb them with drones. Uh, next question. I just think of like, years ago when uh, Kurt Schilling was traded to the Boston Red Sox, there was a Dunkin' Donuts video of him listening how to speak Boston. He's repeating it over and over again. And pack the car. Pack the car. And I just picture Obama <laughs> with a set of headphones on going, yo, man. Yo, man. Yo, man. Yo, man. Yo, I'll be right there. I'm practicing. He's, Hold he's, on. It's like, you know? it's like that scene in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, we're not going to fall for the no banana in the, the tailpipe. Yo, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> but that, but like I said earlier. Michelle, Michelle, I think I got it. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Damn it. <laughs> Yo, please get in there. Please get in there. I want you to hand me practice. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, Michelle. I'm sorry. I didn't mean well, to. Well, you know what? To... Actually, now that you all bring that to the, to the fore, the missing years of Obama, this basically explains it. He was probably in hiding learning how to speak Blackese uh, and <laughs> – in order to appear in the movie, he couldn't do it, so they chose Eddie Murphy. And that's how life changed for all of us. <laughs> Either that or, or was Obama – has anybody ever seen Carlton and Obama in the same room? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. It's not unusual. Or Latoya Jackson. Carlton and Latoya Jackson and Obama. Never same room. <laughs> but doesn't it just Where you get your jeans from? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it just show you though that he has no personality of his own, and he has no? I, I really like I said we talked earlier, and you said you you know that's who he is and everything. But I think to a point that he is just like a programmable computer. No, no, no I'm talking about his beliefs. No, he has I, very radical beliefs that are. I him, understand that, but, but I he has like, the way about him. But I even after a while question if, like, I really think that if you put him and had him hang out with Ted Cruz for six months, like fishing, he'd come back and be a total conservative. Like, I don't think that he has the ability no, no, no. to there's, stick there's to his no values. Way. No, you, I just think that. Nah. They, well, you have. To, if you look at his upbringing, <laughs> you look at his upbringing. <laughs> look he, at the stuff he went through. No, there's no way. He would never come back. He would never come back as a conservative, but he would learn how to stay Latino. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think we need to do a better job of taking care of the Latino community, uh, Mr. President. <laughs> 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 
That's, no, that's, a, that's a George W. Bushism well, right there. Hey, George W. had some good ones, too. Um, but, you know, it, it does show you what, what our leadership is right now and, and how horrible yeah. it is. It, it kind of brings us forth to the Bundy Ranch thing that we wanted to touch on, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. Um, yeah. Not the bunny Did you say ranch. Bunny ranch. Not the bunny ranch. <laughs> I don't even know what the bunny ranch is. I'm uncomfortable right now. Why is Ken laughing? You know, let me Google it. Safe search off. Uh, but before we go to Ken, we, I want to I want to end our discussion regarding Obama and uh, Holder's fake uh, ghettoism in front of uh, their community, quote unquote, uh, liberal hacks. Um, the idea with the story, the top story on Newsmax right now is that Hank Aaron is receiving uh, hate mail um, after his GOP attack, and it's not because he may be going back to break uh, the home run record. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, Hank's been a huge Obama supporter from the beginning, though. Um, yeah. So it, that came as no surprise to me whatsoever. Um, same thing, great ball player, but his politics suck. Um, and, and there yeah. are plenty of people out there that are the exact same way. But the fact that anyone would take the time to comment to Hank Aaron about politics, would, uh, I, can't even, I can't even begin. It would be like talking to a guy who's never fished about fishing. Like, you can have your political beliefs, that's fine, but when it comes to athletes and sports entertainers and entertainers and stuff like that, very few of them know what they're talking about when it comes to politics. They just do exactly. it to keep themselves in the spotlight. Um, you know, I think of guys like James Woods, who's very educated in politics and absolutely pays attention to what's going on, and you know it because he, he's not shy about it, but he's not one of these you know, flyby guys that just has to drop a comment into because baseball season just started and he wants everyone to remember his name. And that's kind exactly. of what I get out of Hank and people that do things like that. Um, you know, if he did it in the middle of December and he gave like a long history behind it and, you know, started quoting things or whatever, that's uh, okay. Maybe he is a little more educated about the politics that, and he actually has a true care and concern, but he doesn't do that. It's the beginning of baseball season. I'm sure he's going to be making a bunch of appearances and he wants to make sure that everyone knows how Hank Aaron feels, so the media is around him and asks him questions. And and not, and, and not about the fact that his uh, godson uses steroids or used yeah, steroids. There you go. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, buddy, you don't want to go there. It's never been proven in a court of law that his godson actually used the needle. No, okay? it is. He's Thank on hospitalization for it. He used a cream. Okay. He rubbed cream on his thighs. Okay. 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 He didn't use the needle. He didn't use the needle. Oh, man. Right. So, Clint, are you still, Clint, are you still Googling Bunny Ranch? I, I'm lost right now. I don't even. So real quick, you know, because we wanted to talk about it tonight, but the Bundy Ranch um, and the incident that happened there. And not Al Bundy's ranch, uh, talking about yeah. the Nevada. See, that's where I made my mistake. I was listening <laughs> for the song Love and Marriage, and I was thinking, you know, we got something here. The Bundy Ranch, you know. 
we can see Al coming out with his hand in his pocket or whatever, telling the uh, the U.S. forces, yeah, hey, take it <laughs> if you can get it. Oh, can you get it over? <laughs> no, we talked about this before we went on the air, and yeah, one of the things that really concerned me um, is you know you look into it and you have to see each side's argument. We could talk about how it was enforced the day of um, on a separate occasion. You have to see each side's argument. Um, And the government, you know, Bundy could have done some things differently on his end. And, but I brought up, you know, he, here's a guy who's watched everybody, every rancher around him go out of business because of the BLM essentially and the restrictions that they put on and said, no, you're not going to, destroy my family's heritage you're not going to destroy my family business you're not going to make my family go hungry i'm sick and tired of it um and and i think a lot of people relate to that um you Mm -hmm. you look at other industries you look at you know pittsburgh in the 70s and to the 80s to the 90s and you know how over government over regulation destroyed that city you look at detroit um and how government regulations really and unions did a job on that city and you look at the cattle industry, which is really one of the last real original industries left in this world, one of the last original ways to make money from when this country was founded to today. And I think he said, you know, I've had enough, and I'm not going to yeah. do it. And I, he knows, you know, he, he, I don't think he's a dumb guy. He knows there's those two court orders, uh, court decisions there. Um, and like I said, I, I think that he – to a point, he knew it was coming, and he wanted it to be a big deal because he wanted to call attention to his cause. Um, I don't think that he knows he legally, like Clint said, you know, he's kind of on the wrong side of the law, technically. And I don't think uh-huh. he's stupid in the sense of um, that he thought he had a fighting chance. But I think he really wanted people to say, hey, I'm, they're running me out of my business, and they're using a damn tortoise to do it. Look, I, 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 I understand. This is one of those things where, where I think that from the, from, the, from the perspective of the agents, not the agency, because I think BLM could have gone about this an, a, an entirely different way. And I understand there's two court orders, but the agents that are there, they have a job to do. They have a court order giving them legal authority to impound cattle, and, and that's it. Um, and you know you can take this dispute back for for 20 plus years or whatnot, and even even before that. Um, and Bundy could have handled this perhaps differently as well. And we can have the debate over the tortoise another time, which is a, a ridiculous thing um, to to try and to put somebody out of business for. But bottom line is that the, the federal government, when they came in and did this, you have the people who say, "Hey, we have a right to resist a law that." is unconstitutional and interferes with, with our um, natural rights and our natural law. Um, we have a right to resist that. And then you have the, the federal agents, the ones that are on the ground saying, hey, um, I have, just have a job to do, and I have a judge, basically a uh, court order, so I'm basically serving this warrant for your cattle, and that's really all I'm, I'm here to do. And you've lost in the courts twice so far. So I understand the agents on the ground being kind of in a tough spot, but I understand the, the, the Bundy family's um, perspective also of, hey, this is way too oppressive, and 
we have the right to the fundamental natural right to resist an illegal unconstitutional law. I get that argument. Um, And and again, I get it. I get it on on both sides. But I think there are some things governmentally that need to change. But hey, there is a time when the people um, need to need to stand up and say, hey, this is absolutely wrong. So, so I get both sides of the argument, and I'm, I'm leaving it at that point for right now. But what, what I did find absolutely um, ridiculous, in, in addition to the, the, the huge federal response, is the condition that, that they allegedly left the ranch. Um, specifically, uh, they, they got rid of, quote, illegal structures on Bundy's ranch. I mean, they, they took out water lines, corrals, water tanks, um, and according to the to the feds, it had to be restored the land to its natural state, and it would also yeah. prevent prevent Bundy from uh, from restarting the, the cattle uh, his his cattle business. But they, they destroyed private structures on on Bundy's land, and there was nothing in the court order that allowed for that. The, the order yeah. was simply to impound the cattle. Yeah, I, I just want to say that we have about two minutes, and I, I don't want to get too far into the woods um, because I, I I might be offensive in terms of where I come down on this one um, <clears throat> because it, it is one that uh, sees the federal overreach in this regard despite the decisions that have been made by the agency and by the court and historical purposes, knowing that uh, – Nevada has been around for at least 20 years before his family ever made uh, the first cow crossing, uh, knowing the fact that, <clears throat> that he has been requested upon uh, to leave uh, the federal land, knowing that Nevada's uh, ownership of its own state is somewhere in the area about 15% of all of the land. Um, we're looking at what I see here. Uh, also in terms of uh, a divide in terms of the conservative movement versus those who are, might be a bit more establishment-oriented, uh, who do not see this as a threat to private property, uh, to the state sovereign rights, uh, and also uh, the rights of men to protect their property and themselves. Um, thank God for the militias arriving when they did because it would have been far worse. And we reported that on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday night of our show. Um, <clears throat> in addition, tomorrow night, I'm sorry, well, this tonight, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Marty Hayes, who is the president of the Firearms Academy of Seattle, will be joining us. And he is not only a uh, firearms specialist and personal defense uh, specialist, but also an attorney. Uh, He will be talking with us about that particular matter in great detail. Um, But uh, I'm going to be very frank here. In the way that things have been decided, he is against the law. In the way that things have been decided, we might be uh, watching the Bill of Rights get shredded right before our eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. And if not for Nevada's militia and Montana's militia and a few other militia groups showing up um, to make a stand, um, we might allow the federal government not only to take which is considered public, but begin to take that which is private, which opens up the windows for them to shred, again, the Constitution. 
by any means necessary, and especially through the what is supposed to be the least ominous uh, and least powerful means of doing that through our court system. Uh, it is up to our state and up to our legislatures uh, to uh, create a means by which men uh, might be able to use land uh, and not allow a tortoise, which has a greater number uh, than probably the rabbits that they race, uh, to have privilege to take away a man's very uh, livelihood. Well, I agree. I do agree with you. I actually feel that um, th- this goes a lot b- further beyond just some cattle grazing. And, and, you know, one of the questions I brought up, and I know we're going to run over a few minutes here, and I'm okay with that. One of the questions I did bring up was if this was completely private property that he was on, if he owned it, the state of Nevada was never involved, and then the feds said, almost like they're doing with rainwater and the EPA, hey, you know what, that tortoise, that tortoise is endangered and we need that land back and you can't ranch on it, um, would that leap have been made? And I don't know, but it, it, it's a question to ponder. Um, if they really thought it was so serious that the tortoise was in such danger – you know, look at the EPA reaches with anywhere that water pools now, they feel like they have some sort of authority. Is it anywhere that that tortoise goes, that special tortoise, that they can run people out of homes and stuff like that? Um, well, they're, you know, doing, we talk they're about, doing it in Louisiana. They're doing it in Louisiana where men who own property in Louisiana uh, as a result of not having the actual natural habitat for, a, I believe it's some, some type of fowl, um, I'm sorry, frog, that has left, by nature, natural selection. These are the same liberals that believe in the evolution, natural selection. These frogs have <laughs> left that part of Louisiana for better natural selectivity. Uh, but somehow the EPA uh, has determined that these men must not develop their land uh, by the means of creating businesses and developing homes there uh, because those frogs might come back. What the heck with this? When do frogs have constitutional rights? Are they saying that the chickens might come home to roost? <laughs> they just might. And they might be carrying a cross, too. But, you know, to bring, to bring up Clint's point, I definitely agree that I understand that the court has made a decision um, and I think what you're saying is, is yeah, they made a decision, but they made a decision that shouldn't have been made um, on a law that shouldn't be standing and on a land grab that shouldn't have been done. Um, I also mm-hmm. bring up, you know, the amount of action that was taken and how this was such a big deal. And listen, I know that they went 20 years into this for the court case. There was other things that both sides could have done. I said that, you know, Bundy should have taken the federal government to court on a local and state level and got a decision there and then used that as part of his appeals um, mm-hmm. instead of going to the Fed court. Because, yeah, you, you know, you can absolutely see and argue that he's not going to necessarily get a fair decision on a Fed court that's trying to uphold a Fed law. Uh, um, you know, I'm not saying that it's completely corrupt, but, uh, you know, odds can be sacked against you. Whereas if you bring it on a state level, now you have a state decision, a judge appointed by the state. And if he sides for you, well, now you start really getting to a Tenth Amendment argument. Yeah, uh, the problem there is, you go. Though, the next. The problem is the next the next level after the state supreme court would be the federal appeals court, which would be the ninth circuit, right? Which we know how they're going to rule. And well, not necessarily. 
the last few times they've actually that was done, because it's a three judge panel as opposed to the court sitting as a whole. Right, and I, so I do understand are, that the Ninth Circuit is going to rule in favor of the feds, and then it would go to the U.S. Supreme Court. But while all that was happening, his a, his fees wouldn't have been going up, but it would add clout to his argument. So on that level, but the other thing too that they could have done is, and I didn't say this, I believe it was Judge Napolitano that said, you know, the feds could have just leaned on his home, mm-hmm. put a lien on it, done it completely civil. And put a lien on it and gone that route. Now, it, did I want that to happen? No. But is that a much better choice than, uh, um, I think, having his cattle taken and killed? Absolutely. Is, but but the, problem, the problem is you had a judge somewhere that said that they can impound the cattle. So you had a judge that, that said, yeah, impound the cattle. Don't put a lien on the property or don't – you have a court order. And again, I think that I think it's a I think it's a bad ruling, um, and and I think it's how it's gone. The power of the federal government is completely ridiculous, and that's kind of an aside to this argument. But my point was the agents on the ground who were there to kind of right you know go through the process. I understand they're in a tight spot. They're sworn to uphold the law, and they believe that's what they're doing with a court order. But then you have, and that's different than than hey they're here to take your guns because that's a specific constitutional guarantee. But, but what I'm saying can, is can I read, can, can I read from the document from the from the um, actual? Uh, this is United States District Court, District of Nevada. This is the plaintiff versus Five and Bundy. That's the United States of America. All of us are against Five and Bundy, so he must be a well, superman. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, the injective relief says the United States has established irreparable harm not only through the continuing nature of Bundy's trespass but because Bundy's cattle have caused and continue to cause damage to natural and cultural cultural now resources and pose a threat to public safety. How many armed men were on the Bundy uh, ranch that were not from the Bundy ranch? We're, we're, we're talking about almost military-style uh, snipers who were set out to do harm to this man. When did we get to this level with our own citizenry that for a simple matter, we're willing to gun them down and take their cattle? Well, and and the other question question I had is the federal government charged fees. So if they charge mm -hmm. fees for him being on that land, were they not also allowing the fact for him to be on that land, number one, and number two, that apparently his cattle were of no reparable harm to those those darn tortoises, and that the well, Olympic and, Games and that, between the tortoises and the and the bunny rabbits could keep going, and that those tortoises are in fact thriving while his cattle are grazing, and if they cease to graze, you will in fact now have changed the condition of the tortoise. Right, and now um, maybe, but as far to, as far as the armed uh, thing goes, I, I know that there were some armed. Um, armed militia, uh, organized militia folks there as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, again, I think that's a, that's a tough spot for those agents, and here's why. They're executing a, a court order, and there is a group that is um, forming that, is, that has weapons as well. From a law enforcement standpoint, I see where they're going to um, in order to execute that, and we can we can we can talk about well the court order was illegal in and of itself, and I I can I can see that argument, and I can agree that there's federal overreach here. So I want to say that right out front, I agree there's federal overreach here. Um, but yeah. that being said, 
the agents on the ground. It's not like it's an outright constitutional violation. They're not going out to collect guns, right? They're not going out to um, imprison people because they're a certain race and we're at war with that country like they did in World War II uh, with, with the Japanese um, Americans. So that, that's not what's going on here. You have a court order regarding property and grazing rights, which is gray, and I think a, a, a straight-faced argument could be made on each side, and I'm just going to leave it at that for right now. Again, my position is that I believe the government overreached here. However, I understand that those agents, in order to protect themselves, just like civilian law enforcement, which is really what these federal folks are, they, they carry guns, and sometimes yeah. American citizens kill cops, and they shoot at them too, and so that's why those American cops need to sometimes use force against American citizens. The federal law enforcement isn't different, so I can understand they need to respond with guns also in order to protect themselves because not all American citizens are peace-loving, and it's not the military doing it. It's, this is a civilian-controlled yeah. federal group that's doing it. So I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they brought guns to the fight. Um, I'm okay with the citizens bringing guns to the fight. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the federal overreach here, and, and I and I understand the position that the that the agents were in. Yeah, and Iggy Mom is making note of the treaty that's in uh, in effect, uh, the Guadalupe Treaty, uh, in which the federal government took back the lands from Mexico uh, after winning the war. Uh, so, uh, listen, uh, while there was uh, ample opportunity for this to be ramped up. There was also ample opportunity for this to be handled in a very civil uh, manner. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think th- – this is where my problem comes with this. Um, literally, you have forces that are being drawn upon at the state and federal level to execute this one court order, uh, and it, it borders on uh, who's in charge to give that call to mm-hmm. federal officials to be called upon to be put in harm's way. You have to really be, and, and, and I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there, buddy. <laughs> you have to really be off your block to think that the lives of those men who have been called upon to protect the law was worth serving that court order to this gentleman. It, there, there are abundant means in which it could have been done uh, I would much agree better. Sure. I would absolutely agree with that. Without doubt. And, and you know, like everything else, too, and I, everyone assumes that all those guys were there were happy to be there. Um, and it's yeah. like everything else. You know, there is that assumption. And, you know, we live in the world of new media, and I watched on Twitter as things that were obviously being exaggerated. And this is when I get nervous. I appreciate the free speech of Twitter, but this is when I get mad because you do have people that wanted that to go to a new level. Um, and they are out there on some level. And they exaggerate and start, you know, I saw pictures that were obviously not from the Bundy Ranch in Nevada of, you know, people in military fatigues and stuff like that. And this person responded at the Bunny Ranch, and I'm like, really, that's a tropical rainforest behind them. Like, how can you, 
you know, that fire. I'm not, Ken, I'm not kidding. I saw a sniper laid out. I saw a sniper laid out. From Central Africa. There you go. All of the Bundy Ray. I'm telling you, it was a picture of a guy laid out in military fatigues with a spotter. And yeah. it was in the one I'm talking about was in a rainforest. I recognize a rain. It was not a high desert at all. There was nothing there from the high desert does not have deciduous trees like this. Like, you know what I mean? There's not a canopy exactly. in the high desert. There was another, so, but the, and then there was another picture of a Humvee that was obviously a 25 year old Humvee um, from like the first Gulf war. It was not like the new ones. It's not like the MRAPs. And same thing. And there was a, a soldier that wasn't even American. You could tell by his outfit and, and what the gear he had. It, he was, had like, it was VC. He had, yeah, he had like an AK-47, a helmet that didn't matter. Like, and it wasn't like, oh, that guy's special forces. No, you could plainly tell this guy probably had a hard time tying his shoe because they didn't teach that in whatever military he was in. But it wasn't the United States military. So that was the other issue that fed into a lot of this is there was those exaggerations out there. And I kept telling people, hey, listen, the facts are enough to win this argument. Yeah. Let's not make this worse. Because then what happens is exactly what has happened is those on the left in mainstream media will now start painting every conservative group and militia as absolute kooks. Because they take these uh, little hot spot statements from people who are either not really well informed, think they're doing the right thing but have no clue, or are trying to perpetuate something further, and they try to yeah. uh, pass that off. And then, oh, everyone on the left thinks that. I saw a Facebook post that says, what's the difference between the guy in Kansas City that shot those two uh, Christians and, the, and Bundy? You know, Bundy just hasn't shot yet. Like, and I'm like, how can you even make that comparison? But that's what happens. That's the thought process. That's these people that want to perpetuate their own argument through somebody else's horrific experience in life and, you know, potentially ending his family's life and career. And that's just, that's the stuff that drives me mad. Exactly. Like, I have a question. The facts for- in this case will win this argument. Exactly. I have a question for both of you all. Do you think that Glenn Beck is getting a little more weak uh, with every passing day uh, in terms of his assessments of the uh, situation there uh, and his uh, bravado in stating that those that con- those conservatives that argue an alternative uh, put at risk uh, their very well, uh, well-being as knowledgeable uh, uh, speakers on subject matter? What was the last part of that question? So I think uh, Glenn Beck is getting weaker as he goes on. Yes, he's becoming. Okay. He has become more tame. Mm-hmm. Which, which means to me, he's getting pressure. No, no. This is this is uh, in, in terms of the latter part of the question. Is he becoming more subject to the establishment media, or is he remaining rebellious? Uh, and outside, uh, which was the hallmark of him being a conservative commentator. You know, I, I think that he is, here's 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 my my issue with some of the things the Blaze does. There is never any. Uh, I'm not going to say never. I have I am hard pressed to find a positive story um, from the Blaze. On anything on yeah a, a positive story period but a positive story sp- specifically on 
um, like like law enforcement. Look, we on this show we support. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.